highest of heights to the depths of the sea. And uh, he stripped the gold from the doors of the temple, verse 16, of the Lord, and from the pillars which Hezekiah himself, king of Judah, had overlaid, and he gave it to the king of Assyria. So here Hezekiah finally breaks down as he sees that this formidable foe had captured all these cities, and, and certainly Jerusalem was next. Every creature's unique in a song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, all struck with. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. After a review of Samaria's defeat to Assyria and the rise of King Hezekiah of Judah, we now learn about the fall of Jerusalem to the Assyrians. Our scripture says, In the fourteenth year of King Hezekiah, Shennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all of the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Now the king of Assyria brought his forces against Judah, who had successfully resisted him before. He captured all of the fortified cities of Judah and needed to only take Jerusalem itself to completely conquer Judah. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues a review in chapter 18, starting in verse 9 in the book of Second Kings. One of the things, uh, the great privileges, and I mean it, it's a great privilege to be able to, um, for some reason, you know, God allowed me to, to do what I get to do. And I am so thankful because it is my favorite thing to do. Maybe just a little less, uh, Ed, if we can turn it just a smidgen. Testing one, two, testing, that's good. I think so, yep. It, it is a great privilege for me to be able to do what I get to do and, um, and, you know, there's, a, there's an old phrase in the Old Testament that says, you can't, um, don't muzzle the ox while he treads out the corn. And I like that, and I'm that ox. Because I get to tread the corn, and then I get to feed it to you, in a sense, you know. And so um, I get to be the first partaker of this, and it is such a, a privilege. And it changes me, and it's changing me little by little, day by day, week by week. It's changing me, and I'm so glad that God is doing that because... Folks, let's just face it. We are all on a journey together, and I mean it. We're together. Not one of us is further ahead, and you know we're all on this journey together. And it's important that we see each other as um, as equals in Christ, because uh, there's not one man or woman here more important than another. Because we are all. Uh, if you're a believer, you are God's children. If you're if you're a believer in Christ, you're His child, and I'm, I'm His child too. And so tonight we're going to look at uh, the remainder of chapter 18 of 2 Kings, and Lord willing, we'll finish, uh, we'll even uh, do a quick read through uh, chapter 19. We won't spend a great deal of time there, and then we'll take communion together uh, this evening. But just to kind of recap what has happened up to this point, remember in previous chapters, just the chapter prior to this, um, the king of Assyria had come and taken the northern ten tribes uh, captive uh, to Assyria. 
And that happened, we know, in 722 B.C. Those, those dates will probably be forever etched in your memory as they are mine. And, uh, and, and God took the, the northern ten tribes, remember, because of their idolatry. And you would think that the southern two tribes would have learned the lesson, but they, they didn't. And for 116 years, 116 years, God gave Judah, meaning Benjamin and, and, and Judah, where Jerusalem was the capital, gave them 116 years to learn the lesson from their northern neighbors, their own brethren. But they would not. And, uh, and, and I'm so thankful how God and the kings of Judah, that most, many of them were evil kings, but every now and then there was this king that would just rise to the stars. And he was just a great, great... Um, influence on the children of Israel. And the closer they got, Judah and Benjamin, the closer they got to completely falling into a place where God says, okay, now I am going to bring judgment upon my own people. And he was going to bring Babylon, remember, in 606 BC. And it hasn't happened yet, but we're going to read about it as we get further into 2 Kings, that Jerusalem itself is going to fall. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar came in 606 B.C. and, and uh, took many of them captive. Uh, Daniel was one of them. Uh, Ezekiel was another one. Uh, and took them along with the three lads, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was their Babylonian names, but their Hebrew names, uh, I'm not going to tell you because I forgot what they are. But he took them all captive, and he took the really best. Nebuchadnezzar took the best back to Babylon. And he did that in three different deportments, three different waves of bringing them in and out of Jerusalem into Babylon. And then for 20 years, he laid siege to Jerusalem until finally in 586 B.C., he had enough, and he destroyed the temple, literally just raised it to the ground. And many of the Jews died, and many of them went into captivity, into Babylon, where they were for 70 years. And then God brought them back into, into the land, as his promise was through the hands of Ezra and Nehemiah. But um, So Judah didn't learn the lesson. And remember, in, in chapter 18, we looked at the beginning of it. Um, it was talking about how Hosea, the son of Elah, he was king of Israel, and that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz. And isn't it interesting that Hezekiah was one of the greatest kings of Judah, and yet his father was a complete reprobate. His father Ahaz was a horrible example as a king, a horrible example as a father. And how is it that a man like Hezekiah can, for 25 years... He was co-regent with his father, meaning he was, he was co, he, he ruled with him, but in a subordinate position. How is it that a man of this character, so unlike his father, totally blowing away all of the stereotypes of, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree or like father, like son. Well, Hezekiah was completely different than Ahaz, his father. And Ahaz, excuse me, and Hezekiah here now in the, in the critical time in Judah's history, when they were just plummeting and plummeting and plummeting, all of a sudden God raises up Hezekiah. What a great and awesome man. And just lifts them right up out of their mess that they're in. And God was so pleased with him. And God blessed them as a nation all the time that he was king. And Hezekiah didn't stop there. He removed all the high places, all the places they used to worship instead of at the altar in Jerusalem. They worshiped all these other places. 
He removed even them. Nobody had the guts to do that prior to Hezekiah. But he was the one that says, we're, we're eradicating all of this false idolatrous worship. We're going to get back to basics. And that, folks, is a clue for us today. Never think that there has to be something new. The old paths. What, is, what does it tell us in Isaiah? Search, I think it's in Jeremiah. Or Jeremiah um, it says, search for the old paths and walk in them. The old paths are those paths that have been well-worn by saints that have gone before us. They're effective paths. They are good paths. They're leading to obedience. And they're leading to righteousness. Those are the kind of things that you and I ought to pay attention to. There's nothing wrong with the old paths. The older I get, the more I'm happy that there is an old path laid before me. I don't need a new path. I don't need something new revealed to me. And neither should you. Don't crave something new. Just learn the basics. Learn what's here. This is enough. Trust me. This is going to take you a lifetime. Letting God sanctify you. It's going to take a lifetime until your last breath. You're still going to be working on it. But it's not because of your performance that gets you to heaven, right? We know that. It's sanctification. Well, it's sanctification through Christ. He's the one who saved us, and it's through his blood that I'm accepted, I'm forgiven, and I know I'm going to heaven because of what he did on the cross, nothing of myself. But as a result of his Holy Spirit in me, he's sanctifying us, isn't he? And that's a daily thing that's happening, slowly, slowly conforming us to his image. Little obedience here, a little obedience here, a little putting away of that, a little doing better and better. And, and it's not perfection. We're not going to be perfected on this side of the cross. We are sinners saved by grace and we're being conformed and it's going to take a lifetime. And just enjoy the ride and let him do it in you, Right? Let him do it in you. And so Hezekiah comes on the scene, and I love this. And God, in these first eight verses of chapter 18, he extols this man. And he says, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, verse 3, according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places, broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image, broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. We looked at that last week. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him, notice this, There's only one other person in history that has had this commendation, and it's Josiah. We're going to read about him shortly in the next few weeks. But notice this commendation that God gives to Hezekiah. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor who were before him. Do you hear that? Yes. This man was on fire. He was a young man who was just, I'm going to do the right thing and I'm going to stay on course. And he did. And he had a little bit of an, uh, of an ego problem as you know later on in his life, but God corrected him. And God still gave him that commendation, knowing very well that he was gonna, there was going to be a period in his life where he was going to be full of himself a little bit. And God was able to clip his wings a little bit. And aren't you glad that he does that? Have you ever felt a little bit uh, bigger than your britches? Have you ever felt like you were just a little bit better than the average guy? A little bit better than so-and-so. And the Lord has a way of lovingly bringing you down and saying, Hey, stop looking at people. Stop comparing yourselves with one another. Compare yourself to me and then you'll shut up. <laughs> right? It shuts my mouth and I'm like, Oh my goodness. I'm just happy that I'm in the beloved. Aren't you? Aren't you happy that you're in Christ tonight? Just to be loved by him. 
And you're going to be loved by him for eternity. Isn't that awesome to think about? For eternity, folks, it'll never, ever end. Say that with me. It will never, ever end. One more time. It will never, ever end. Yes. Hallelujah. It'll never end. So the worst that you're going to see on this planet is what's going to happen between now and the end. That's the worst it's going to be for you if you're a believer. That's the worst you're going to see. And for the believer, it's not going to be so bad because we're not going to be here for the great tribulation. We're going to be raptured before them. We believe that through the word of God. But notice, he goes on in verses, the first eight verses, he just extols upon Hezekiah. And, um, and, and then finally, in, uh, we're going to start in verse 9 uh, this evening. And... We're going to look at verses 9 through 12, and we're going to see that this is really a recap, if you will, of the... Uh, and actually, remember, after verse 8 last week, we looked at the reforms uh, that Hezekiah had done, and we read, remember, in Second Chronicles chapter 29 and 30, and uh, I would even encourage you to read uh, chapters 29 through 31 of Second Chronicles, and that really kind of gives you a bigger picture of all the reforms and all the really wonderful things that Hezekiah did during his reign. Okay, it's important. We, we read through two of those chapters last week. I'm not going to read through 31 today, uh, but you can read that for yourself. It's just further um, blessing that um, Hezekiah did. But notice in verse 9, this is um, the author here is recapping uh, the fall of Samaria uh, from chapter 17 that we looked at a couple weeks ago. Notice what it says. Now it came to pass, verse 9, in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser, and this would be Shalmaneser V, who reigned from 727 to 722 B.C., King of Assyria, he came up against Samaria and besieged it. So from really verses 9 through 12, he's just recapping what had happened in the northern ten tribes, how they were taken captive. And the fourth year that is spoken of here in verse 9 is counting from the time when Hezekiah was vice-regent with his father. Because he was vice-regent with his father Ahaz from 729 to 715 B.C., and we know that this is the right date because it says, and also uh, during the seventh year of Hosea, Hosea was Israel's last king, the very last ninth dynasty of the, the northern ten tribes. And we know that his reign began in 732. So you do the math, 732 minus seven years, and you come to the same number, 725. So 725 B.C., is when the king of Assyria came up and besieged Samaria. And then verse 10, at the end of the three years, so it took three years, so between 725 to 722, there was this besieging of, of Samaria. And then uh, we understand that Shalmaneser uh, began this siege in 725. And within three years, within that three-year period, um, history tells us that um, Shalmaneser V died uh, back at home in Nineveh, so he must not have been there the whole time, but his son, Sargon II, was likely the one who actually led them from Samaria into Assyria uh, to, to be captive there. And so verse 10 says, and at the end of three years, they, they took it. 
So in the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria was taken. Now, I just want to say something really quick here. You'll notice that the Bible's not so much concerned about giving you the dates. And the reason it doesn't, it can give you these time frames because there's other, there's other records that are very clear about uh, when, when these things happen. And that's how we're able to devise uh, the actual time of everything. God doesn't need to say 725. He can just say, you know, the seventh year of Hosea. And um, we'll figure it out because there were records uh, pertaining to that. So he didn't go into great detail, and neither was it necessary, because the, the Bible is uh, not just a history book, remember. It is a, a book of redemption. It's a history book, but it's a book of redemption. And so, verse 11, he goes on, it says, Then the king of Assyria carried Israel away captive to Assyria and put them in Hala and by the Habor, the river of Gozen, and in the cities of the Medes, because, and here's the reason that the northern ten tribes were taken away, because they did not obey the voice of the Lord their God, but they transgressed his covenant and all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded, and they would neither hear nor do them. And see, that's always a bad place when and you get to the, that place where you're not willing to hear and you're not willing to do. That's what you call obstinate heart, an obstinate heart. You're not willing to hear, you're not willing to do. And when a person gets in that condition, it's never good. It's never good. Pray that God always gives you a soft heart that's pliable, that God can use. And he can just water it. He can just, with his eye, he can guide you. And you're just so willingly, willingly able to be led and willingly able and willing to obey. Just to obey. I want to be obedient. I don't always make the right choice. And sometimes I make, I, I, well, I make mistakes. But I want to be obedient. And see, God knows our hearts. And if we desire that, he loves to bless us in that way. Now, uh, in Second Kings chapter 17... Uh, verses 17 through 23. We looked at this last week, so we're not going to look at it tonight. But that, if we look at that, it is a list of sins that Israel had done that caused this judgment from Assyria to come upon them in 722. And so uh, these verses that we're going to look at now from verses 13 through 16 is the first of two invasions that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, would make on Judah. Yes, the first of two he would actually attack them once, and then he would attack them again. So verses 13 through 16 is the first of the two invasions. And it tells us right there in verse 13. And in the 14th year of King Hezekiah. Now this is reckoning his, um, his, his, uh, his actual reign when he actually came into the kingdom by himself, no longer being regent with his father. So that's 715 B.C. So... And the 14th year of that puts this at 701 B.C. And you may be wondering, why are you giving us all these dates? Well, if you write these things down, you're going to put things in, in, in order, and you're going to see things. And as you read through the Bible, you're going to be pulling things from other areas, other prophets, and other things like that, and you're going to see the context. So having these dates can be helpful when you're putting all the pieces together. And so... Um, so Sennacherib came against Judah twice. The first invasion uh, is verses 13 through 16, and we're going to see also the second invasion, and that's going to be verses 17 through 37. But look at um, uh, 
verse 13 again. It says, In the 14th year of Hezekiah, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah, and he took them. And one of the towns, one of the major towns in Judah that he took was Lachish, which was a town that was located southwest of Jerusalem. And there is actually um, the biblical account of this conquest of Lachish by Sennacherib in 701 BC is actually recorded in the Assyrian records of King Sennacherib's campaign. In fact, it's graphically recorded in a large and elaborate bas-relief on the walls of the royal palace in Nineveh. So it, it talks about him coming in, but he never, he never was able to um, completely conquer Judah. Because we're going to see here tonight that uh, God intervened and, uh, and God pushed him back to Syria where he ultimately died. So notice verse 14. So the Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria at Lachish saying, I have done wrong. Turn away from me, and whatever you impose on me, I will pay. And the reason he's saying this is because when he first became king, he resisted in paying the king of Assyria tribute. In other words, the king of Assyria wanted money from Hezekiah, and in doing so, king of Assyria would stay away from ransacking or going and destroying Judah. So you give me money, I, you pacify me, and I won't come and destroy you. So it's like a, a twisted friendship dues. You know, you're friends with me as long as I pay you, but as soon as I stop paying you, you're going to come after me, right? And so King Hezekiah sent to the king, and he said, I, I've done wrong. Turn away from me. Whatever you impose on me, I will pay. And this is the only thing written in the scripture about Hezekiah that was really negative. Everything else was stellar. And, and I love that because God knew this about uh, Hezekiah. Hezekiah was in a very deep strait here because he's being surrounded now by uh, Sennacherib, and, and, he, and he's already taken m- m- many of the cities in Judah, the fortified cities. So he's thinking, we're next. And indeed, that was the case. They were next, and Hezekiah's like, you know what, what do you want? Do you want gold? Do you want a, you know, a gift card to Dunkin' Donuts? I mean, what is it you want? I'll give it to you. Do you want the keys to my Lexus or my Lexi? Because I got more than one, plural. My Lexi, my fleet of Lexi. Um, what, what is it that you want? And so he says, whatever you impose on me, I'll pay. And the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah, meaning he exacted money from him, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. Now, you and I, that may not mean like a lot, but I did the math. 300 talents is equal, equivalent to 11 tons of silver. And as of March 2nd, I did looked at the price of silver. That's about $7.3 million just in silver. And he gave him 30 talents of gold. And, that is, and one ton of gold is uh, equivalent to $59 million at $843 an ounce today. So what, how much money did he give him in total? 66.3 million smackaroos. That's a lot of money. And that's in our, in our money today. So Hezekiah, verse 15, gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord. Think of that. All the ornamentation, all the stuff that was silver and gold, he, he got it off, he stripped it off. 
And uh, he stripped the gold from the doors of the temple, verse 16, of the Lord, and from the pillars which Hezekiah himself, king of Judah, had overlaid, and he gave it to the king of Assyria. So here Hezekiah finally breaks down as he sees that this formidable foe had captured all these cities, and, and certainly Jerusalem was next. That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Second Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.